It's time to keep talking hockey. The Penguins open their playoff series with the Islanders Sunday at noon at PPG Paints Arena. Joining me now in studio from DKPittsburghSports.com, it's Serbian reactionary Dayon Kovacevic. Dayon, what's your pick for the Penguins series? Who wins and in how many games? I've got Penguins in six, and I, I only hedge on five, which is what logic tells me because it's the playoffs, and until I see Tristan Jari out there looking like he did in February and March, I'm not going to feel real good about five against anybody in any setting. He has to show that. I'm not saying that he can't, but I'm saying that he has to get back to that form, that real aggressive form. You know what I'm talking about. Come out, challenge a shooter, play the puck like you mean it. None of that pensive stuff. Yeah, I I agree with that. I, I'm not saying he won't, but we don't know that he will right. until he does. He only has the one playoff game ever. He lost, what was it, 1-0? He played really well. Yeah, but he let in a bad goal. He did let in a bad goal, but he played really well. Yeah, but but therein lies the 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 worry because uh, he, he does let in the occasional bad goal. He is uh, quite often too deep in the net, but uh, the Islanders not without their goalie problems either with Varlamov apparently a bit gimpy and on the fringe of their practice. Then again... I've heard that uh, there is talk that Sorokin might be the better goalie. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I've been pretty consistent in saying that I'm not a Varlamov guy. I wasn't when he was in Denver either. Uh, if they go with Sorokin, um, you know, th- they'll at least give the Penguins a little bit of a different look and maybe give themselves a different bit of a confidence feel. And to be clear, they will not unless forced to by Varlamov's injury. Right, of course, yeah. But you never know what that injury would be and how much that limits him. You know what I'm saying? If it's, for example, if it's a groin, he might look like he's perfectly fine skating around or whatever, but <laughs> good luck going down in a split. Uh, I, I, that team in general, Mark, you know, I hear people talking about what happened a couple of years ago. There's nothing, nothing other than the Casey Zizekas, Cal Clutterbuck, Matt Martin line that's a that's a consistent uh, from back then. I guess you could throw in Matt Barzell and Jordan Eberle. Uh, scoring, but otherwise, it's just it's it's not the same team. It's not the same approach. It's not the same mindset. They were looking to shove the Penguins out of the building in that series, and that's not what you're going to see here. Well, the Penguins were slower on defense then, less skilled on defense, did not have the depth offensively, and while the Islanders' system beat the Penguins in '19 and is still very effective today. Mm-hmm. I've always felt that, that the trot system hinders his own talent as well. Like mm-hmm. Barzal with only 17 goals. Kyle Palmieri got to New York and just stopped scoring. Vanished. Vanished. I don't know that Travis Ajak wasn't a whole lot better. Um, and, and you could say that for I, – I should have thrown in Brock Nelson into that other one, a really good underappreciated offensive player that the Islanders have. But you don't even know those things, Mark, until they get down in games. And, that, and how many times did we see that against Pittsburgh, where the Penguins would get a couple of goals on them because they would skate right around them and right around the trap, and then the Islanders all of a sudden would start manufacturing offense. And you're thinking, dude, you could have just let them do that all along. Well, there's a fine line, though. I think they do better with system than they would with, uh, I don't want to call it freelancing, but you, you get my drift. The one guy that worries me is Eberly because yeah. he always gets goals and always gets chances against the Penguins. Four goals in eight games this year, and that's pretty good, but he had so many more chances on top of that. He, he did. And, again, now any hockey coach at any level will tell you when you're creating chances, you're playing great. So he did play really well against Pittsburgh. But uh, I'll put Barzell at a level above him, not just against you know other teams, but also against Pittsburgh. Yeah, he has yeah. the puck so much. He does, and he can skate yes. as well as anybody in the league, really. But here's the thing about him. 
Well, about their offense, because he's a great player. Yes. But, but he's the only guy that could crack the Penguins' top six at forward, and he'd have to move the wing. Wow. I hadn't thought of it like that. But I'll tell you what. When you get into those middle two lines, Mark, that to me is where this matchup is determined. Well, especially the third, because they have no answer for they Carter's have, they line. Have, they have no third line. I mean, how do, but how do they check the Carter line? I mean, you can't pick every poison, no. and it has really an HBK vibe about it. It Admittedly, has to. That's be the, the game has been played. That's going to be the matchup that Carter, McCann, and Goudreau get to take advantage of when they take the ice. That, to me, Mark, is the season changer. Remember way back at the beginning of the season, you and I were talking on this show about how wonderful it would be if the Teddy Bluger line became the fourth line. But then we were like, nah, they're never going to pull that off. Where are they going to get that from? Well, they did because Jared McCann rose up because Freddie Goudreau came out of nowhere and because they acquired Jeff Carter. The Teddy line is now really the fourth line, and that's that's what turns this team into a contender. No, it's weird, though, and I don't know what it means, but in the past, that Sezikis line, which is, you know, mm-hmm. the most famous fourth line in hockey. Just, so they say. Just ask the Islanders. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, it, it is a good line. It is. But, you know, this year they've actually played fourth-line minutes. Yes. In the past, they've been the fourth line that played more than the third line. And they started games. Yeah, but yeah. this year they've been used uh, less I don't know whether that means they've declined or whether the Islanders' other forward lines are better. If they are, I I certainly don't see it. But uh, well, Maybe you, it's, Mark, the, the lack of aggressiveness. Because, again, think of what made those guys effective, especially Clutterbuck and Martin. It was being physical. It was forechecking. And if you're skating backward, you, you've lost that. Well, do you think the Sezikis line will match against the Crosby line? I think he'll try that. I do think that Barry Trotz will try that. I, I don't think you're going to see any weird... Uh, you know, first line on first line type of matchups, at least not until Pittsburgh faces Boston. Well, uh, if you do match Sezikis' <laughs> line against Crosby, that's a lot of minutes for the Sezikis line to suddenly yes. assume. And uh, Sullivan's not one to avoid matchups, but still, I want to see what happens when he has the final change here in Pittsburgh. We're talking today's on Kovacevic here on 105.9 The X. Uh, where's Gino's game at? Because he's still a bit gimpy, I think. He is, except his his skating looks like it's close to strong slash authoritative the way you like it to see from him. And you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, he looks comfortable out there. The drive. He just doesn't look like he's played for how long. Yeah, and mostly that's been with the puck distribution. Uh, He made some passes in that Buffalo, uh, the the Buffalo series to end the the season that were, like, mind-boggling. And I don't even mean, like, Geno giveaway-type passes. I mean passes to nobody, Mark. Um, that's not going to come back right away. So maybe what you need to see here from Gino is he does have a couple of guys on his flank who aren't shy about carrying the puck. Normally, Gino doesn't like that. Uh, and I think there could be some issues there with him and Jason Zucker in that regard. But he seems to have a real trust with Kasperi Kapanen. Let Kapanen and Zucker be the guys that bring it up through the neutral zone. Let them be the guys that back off the defense. And then let Gino come in as the trailer, a role that we've seen him comfortable in. Yeah, but he's got to play north-south. Yep. I mean, he doesn't always. He doesn't like to. He's an east-west player, but the whole team plays north-south now, and that can't stop. Uh, obviously, that's nothing to worry about as far as Sid's concerned. And, and as I said earlier in the show, I think Sid's, I mean, he's always a great player and always gives a million percent. But when he senses the team is good and has a legit chance to accomplish something, I think he smells blood and he kicks it up 
an additional notch. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the whole serial winner thing. If you'll remember that term that Mike Babcock used in Sochi to describe Sid, still the best term I've ever heard applied to him. Uh, he finds ways to win, and he finds ways to win within the context that he's existing. If he sees that he has to be a guy that's doing this in order for the team to win, he'll do it. If it has to be that, he'll do that. Uh, remember those games against the Devils here just two or three weeks ago when Sid realized he was going to have to do everything, including scoring all the goals and everything? So what did he do? He went out there from the very first shift and got a goal and made it happen. Uh, Sid's in that mode right now. And you know what? He's not wrong to be because this team is very good and this team is very capable. And why is it, Mark, that every time I say something like this, I think to myself, i got to throw in parenthetically something about Jari. But you do, you know? Yeah, until he does it, he hasn't right. done it. Now, what about Tandem? What kind of impact will he make? Uh, he hasn't played in a while, but I'm not sure that matters with a guy like that. He's not a field player. He's just a go player. Well, I think he'll have a big impact coming back specifically against the Islanders. I'm going to single out a handful of people here who are trap busters, meaning you don't have to pass the puck. In fact, if you don't pass the puck, skating through the neutral zone in a trap system, you're Really doing well here, and that's Tanev, Brian Rust. Mike Matheson is another one. Matheson's played some of his best hockey this season against the Islanders. Why? They back off. They actually let him come flying up the rink. It's insane. You're going to see these guys make a big difference. Did I mention Brian Rust in there, too? Rust is another one. Now, uh, I think the Penguins are going to win. I also predicted in six. What if they don't? What's that do to this team moving forward? Because I think if they lose this series, and that would you know mean they've lost four playoff series in a row and been eliminated one and done three years in a row, I don't think we will recognize the roster when they get to training camp. I think this circumstance is different than the last two. I think the last two, you would look at things collectively. I have a feeling if the, if the Penguins do not win this series, that it will be on the goaltending. And I think that you'll look at it principally as such. I, I disagree. I think I think if they lose this series, they're going to not blow it up, but I think they'll explore major changes, and I think one of Malkin or Latang would not come back. I, I think that might happen anyway. What if it is the goaltending? What if you watch it and you say to yourself, man, it's the goaltending that lost this series. You're yeah, going to throw Geno out for that? If you say it's the goaltending that lost this series, maybe use that as a fulcrum to make changes that you were thinking about anyway. Because even if it is the goaltending, you've still lost four playoff series in a row. Yeah, I mean, this is a new management team. We'll have to get the feel for what it is that they want to do or what it is maybe even like you're suggesting that they secretly want to do in the background. No, no matter what it is they want to do, they owe nobody anything. That's fair. That's fair. And that's one of the advantages that you have coming in as new as a new and front let office. Let me ask you this. And, I'm, and everybody thinks I'm trying to run Gino out of town, but... But I think if they lose in the first round, he's the most likely to go because Latang really adapted this year and played more systemically and had just a great year. And Gino's been mostly hurt. I mean, not his fault, but he has been mostly hurt. Do I don't think Latang. I wouldn't limit Latang to this year. I think Latang did that last year. But I think he's done it even more okay, and better he, he's this been, year. He's been really, really good. I mean, this has been a Norris finalist level season from him. It has, and I again, I, I don't. There's certain things that that trigger a certain different thought in my head here, but a lot of the credit for that goes to Brian Dumoulin. Here's one thing. Of course it does, and Latang said as much when he was on the show earlier today, but but here's one thing I always think, and this goes in hockey, soccer, whatever sport, when a new manager or coach takes over, GM, you know, somebody in charge. Mm -hmm. Will he like this guy? Yeah, yeah. Will he consider this guy to be his kind of player? And I just don't think Evgeny Malkin's a Brian Burke and Ron Hextall type of player. Yeah, um, 
I mean, there's different ways to look at that. What, what's, what's a Ron Hextall type of player? Ron Hextall also was the GM over Sean Couturier, who was a good two-way dynamic center. I'm not comparing Couturier to Gino, but let's say he, Hextall was also in L.A. presiding over Andre Kopitar, who is kind of a Gino type, you know? Uh, makes a lot of different things happen, has a big presence in the middle of the ice. Uh, Gino has to find a way to make it happen. But the part where you and I keep, I think, bumping heads on this issue is that I saw Gino doing that before he was hurt. But then he got hurt. But then he got hurt, and none of what you're saying applies because he got hurt. And they're going to judge a lot based on the playoffs, and should. I understand that, and he has to ramp up his puck skills and his quickness and everything else that we didn't see just now before see, these. See, I, I think now you're overcomplicating. I think they just have to win the series. I think if they win the hmm. series, or better yet, win two series, I think the likelihood of the team looking mostly the same next year goes up dramatically. Yes, that's, there's no question about that. Look, a first-round exit isn't going to bring out the rational thought in everyone. It just isn't. Oh, okay. I, see, I, I disagree. I think a first-round exit would bring out the rational thought in the GM and the director of hockey ops. And you think that their first inclination will be, let's get rid of Geno. No, no. I just think their first inclination will be to look at anything that could help. Yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do to help, and one of them is to get younger. And the best way to get younger, you know, as we've seen in other scenarios in sports, is to you know move your star guys for prospects. Which there's the no movement clauses to worry about. And, yeah. Uh, once you tell him he's not, I, 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 no movement clauses don't really hinder yeah, a whole G, lot. Yeah, but Gino would limit where he goes for sure. He'd have to approve it. Right. And he'd be wanna... Sunrise, Florida, and Sunrise, Florida. Yeah, but here's the problem: those two teams don't need him. Well, they just don't need them. I I know I'm aware of who Florida who the Florida Panthers have up the middle. Uh, you saw the Steelers schedule, so real quick, uh, they play at Buffalo Week One. Not exactly an ideal matchup. I think there's some some intricacies to the schedule. Like mm-hmm. their last four games are yes. all hard as f. Oh, I'd go further. I'd say I think the last seven are. Well, the last four they could easily. In fact, I would pick them to lose all four. And in games four and five. We know they're going to play Aaron Rodgers. We're just not sure which week. Yeah, right. <laughs> and but, but Dejan, that could affect their season because if if Rodgers moves, they'll they could win at Green Bay, and I don't think Denver's going to be that good even no. with Rodgers. But if Rodgers stays at Green Bay, the best they do there is one and one. No, that's a big variable. I, I'm looking at this schedule right now. I still think I could see ten wins out of it. A lot of that depends on oh, what man. ends up happening in the AFC oh, North. I, just, I I think nine tops, eight more likely. Yeah, well, I, I I happen to believe in the guys that they still have on defense, and 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 I, I I'm what about more, the guys they don't I'm have? I'm more anymore? I'm more upbeat about the offensive line than you are. I know that uh, because I believe that they were put into their positions for a reason, meaning to work with this Matt Canada wide zone blocking scheme, and they're going to be a better fit than those other guys would have been. See, I think it's so precious when everybody talks about the new Matt Canada scheme. Mm -hmm. You know, the new Matt Canada scheme requires the quarterback to line up under center, right? Yep. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Think that's going to happen? Eh, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. I do know this. Ben wants to run the ball. Okay. We'll see. That sidecar handoff from the shotgun. Yeah, we saw the sidecar handoffs, and they don't work. Look, everyone's going to have to change. One would hope that Ben adjusts as well. Ixnay on the under-enter-say. That's Dejan (laughs) Kovacevic. He's brought to you by your neighborhood Ford stores. It's time to ask Mark anything. 412-333-WXDX. Dial that number and ask Mark anything.